Gap Year Universe. I'm Julia Rogers. And I'm Margot Brookfield. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing gap year adventure. Did you miss us? We've been gone a minute. <laughs> Welcome to the continuation of season eight, which we started in 2022, and now we will continue in 2023. So Margot and I are going to take a little bit of time to tell you what to expect in the coming months on Gap Year Radio and a little bit about what we've been up to this past year. So Margot, are you excited to get started? I am super excited. Really glad to be back with everyone after our Gap Year Radio Gap Year. And we appreciate you all being here. Let's get started. Julia, it has been quite a year for us here at Gap Year Radio as we've been taking our Gap Year hiatus from the pod, but we are excited to be back and tell you all about what we've been up to for the last year. So I know, Julia, you in particular have had a number of fun adventures in the last year that I'm excited to hear more about on the pod and and such and share that with our listeners. Yeah, and every every time I turn my back, you're off and running around the world in some kind of cool adventure yourself, too. So I feel like we both have a lot to kind of chat about. But mostly, you know, I wanted to say to everybody who who does listen to us that, you know, thanks for continuing to ask about the pod. I definitely, whenever I'm at a conference or talking with colleagues or sometimes even students, they'll say, hey, when are new episodes coming through? And so, you know, it's cool that people want to hear new voices and uh, new episodes from us. So that's why we're back. Mm -hmm. And after a year of sort of taking a break, from this passion project of ours. I think we both are really excited about some of the ideas that have been brewing over the past year, some things that have come up in this realm that we're really excited to touch on in this season that we're hoping to have be more of a thematic season and touching on specific themes that we think are important to consider as opposed to programs and such just themes to think about when you're planning your gap year adventures. Definitely. That was one of the things I think will be very useful to gappers because this is still at the heart of it, a show to help people plan their gap year and make it as awesome awesome as possible. But when we were kind of thinking about what we wanted to do this season, we thought that there's definitely some topics and considerations that students come across when they plan their gap time. And how can we bring some of the best people in our industry and in neighboring industries in to kind of talk through these things? So Margo, what what topics are you most excited about that we have coming down the pike this season? Oh my gosh, there's a couple that I am really jazzed about. And again, I know Julia, we've had like our list just keeps (laughs) growing of things that were like, this would be cool. And this would be awesome to touch on. And so, you know, one thing that I am really excited about. There's some general themes around sustainability that I know you're excited about as well, Julia, but I'm particularly excited to sort of talk about sustainability around ethics when traveling and what that looks like when it comes to, you know, volunteering abroad and the ethics around that, whether that's with, you know, working with animals somewhere or working with human populations and some things to consider more kind of philosophically as you're looking at your gap year and how you want to go about those things. So I know that's one that I'm really personally passionate about and super super excited to have some guests on the pod who are more experts in that field to tell us a bit more about it. Definitely. I, I agree with you. I think that it's one of those things where, you know, we all know that climate change is a problem. We all know that there's been buzzwords around travel now that, you know, the world is open again. There, there are terms like regenerative travel and slow travel and carbon neutrality and all these other <laughs> terms around how we can be kinder to the planet as we continue to explore. And I think that you'll be excited to see what we have coming down for, for episodes around those 
those topics and really helping it be relatable and actionable. So not just telling you like climate change is a problem, but giving everybody tools about how to, you know, think about these things in the context of your gap year and how to make as good decisions as possible. Because a gap year is the springboard for how you want to live the rest of your adult life and how to be a good global citizen. And so I think that thinking about these things as you're thinking about your gap year is, you know, one and the same. Absolutely. Yes. And I think these are in an industry that is primarily around travel for a lot of people, you know, international travel or getting on an airplane to go somewhere, right? I think that is is one of the most carbon intensive things that we can do within the gap year. And so really excited to, yes, just have more tools and actionable items, as Julia mentioned, for minimizing that impact so that you can continue to have these impactful experiences while being kind to our planet. So what are some other topics that you are particularly excited about and feeling jazzed about, Julia? Yeah, well, I think that we uh, we have another kind of sub theme around personal safety and not just and, you know, when we think of safety or risk management as people in that space would like us to call it, you know, we're thinking about how can we empower people to make decisions that are less likely to result in bodily harm or in danger to themselves or the people around them, that kind of thing. And so we we are going to have some guests on to talk about actually how like strategies and items and things to think about to keep yourself safe on your gap year. And that also includes your own sexual reproductive health. I'm really excited for an episode that we're going to be calling the gap year sex talk, where we're going to bring a sexually reproductive health expert on to talk about thinking about sex on your gap year. And because, you know, it's something that maybe people, maybe, well, I know that people are thinking about it, but are you thinking about that in a risk management context, thinking about how to be safe and healthy and empowering in your sexual relationships on your gap year? Such an important topic because a lot of times, this is my philosophy on it, probably hear this again when we do the episode, but, you know, when you go off to college, usually some of that stuff is covered in orientation. And there are lots of resources, there are clinics, there are clubs, there are all sorts of places where you can go to learn about sexual reproductive health on a college campus. If you're taking a gap year, you don't necessarily get that education. And so this episode is kind of meant to be a filler for some of that education that you need to make good decisions on your gap time. I loved this idea, Julia. I was so excited when you came up with it because I do think it's, as you mentioned, just a topic that is often not discussed when thinking about a gap year. There aren't necessarily those resources, especially for more independent gappers, folks who aren't going with a program that might have some of that training or orientation talks around that at the beginning of a program. And so hopefully this can be a really great resource for students, again, as you're emerging into young adulthood and taking charge of your own personal health, your sexual health, all of that really important as you're emerging into this more independent phase of your life. Definitely. Yeah. And then, you know, I think that the other kind of subcategory theme that we're both exploring is people who are taking gap time who aren't in the typical boxes, maybe that we think of when we think gap year. And that includes people who are gapping in mid or post career. So we're going to have an episode about the gray gap year. I'm putting that in quotes because that is what CNN did. They call it a gray gap year. We're not sure if we're going to call it a gray gap year, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Either way, we're going to kind of be more age inclusive on the show and and bring on a guest who has taken a mid-career gap year, which is pretty exciting as well because there are such amazing adventures you can have across the age spectrum on gap time, not just for young people. Absolutely. I love this one too because I, ever since I graduated from college, I have been basically planning my, what I've referred to as my adult gap year. I'm like, some point in my adult mm-hmm. life, I'm going to take my adult gap year and kind of do all the things that I haven't yet gotten to or some of those bucket list items. And I think it's so 
important, you know, when we're, you know, Julia, you and I both have probably received the question when we're at the USA Gap Year Fairs talking to prospective families and students and often the parents are like, okay, so where's my program? You know, where's my opportunity? My kid gets to go do this really cool experience. What about me? And I'm always like, yeah, that would be really cool if there was more resources for folks to take gap years at later points in their life. And so uh, I love that we're going to be able to focus some, some folks who've been able to make that a possibility for themselves and explain, you know, that that can still be accessible no matter where you're at in life. Yes. We're all about normalizing gap time at any age. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. And that's like, I guess that's a musical interlude for us. <laughs> yes. I think overall, some really exciting things coming up this season on the pod. Hopefully that's enough of a little teaser to get you all interested to come join us for our upcoming episodes early this year. And now I think that we should just kind of tell the listeners what we've been up to, Julia. What are the highlight moments and travels and experiences we've had in the last year? Yeah. Yeah. And so Margo, I'm wondering from you if off the top of your head you can actually list out all of the places you've been since the last podcast aired which was last February <laughs> can you even name all the places you've been <laughs> I think I can name almost all of them I have to say there's probably some smaller trips I did like locally within Oregon that might not come top of mind but mm-hmm. I have had some pretty exciting international travels which have all been for work which has been pretty special to be able to travel in that capacity for my job. But a lot of it has involved scouting and designing new gap year programs. So that has been pretty cool. I had some, you know, travel snafus. I can tell you some funny stories that have come up in this still post-COVID travel world that we are that we are navigating even still. But yes, I, I think I could name them all. Yeah. So go for it. Do it. Let's hear it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So last spring, I I did go to Mexico um, on a personal trip. Went to Baja for the first time. Absolutely loved it. I, for work, got to go to Fiji, which was actually... Um, that was my, my big travel snafu. Basically, as per usual, I said yes to too many things and tried to squeeze them into the tiniest amount of time possible. This is something I'm working on in 2023. And I was had about 24 hours at home in between my Mexico trip and my Fiji trip for work and basically got to the uh, check-in gate for my Fiji air flight from Los Angeles to Nandi and they, you know, going to check in, there was, there were still COVID protocols for getting into the country. You know, I think there was a test and um, some paperwork we had to fill out and insurance we had to have. And the guy at the gate looks at me and he's like, so where have you been in the last 14 days? It's just their standard question. And I was like, um, Mexico? (laughs) And he just looks at me and he goes, you're not getting on this flight. And I, we had totally met, it was a very confusing, they had these like red zone travel places and Mexico was on it for Fiji, but it wasn't clear that you couldn't have been in Mexico in the last 14 days. Anywho, somewhat derailed my Fiji trip, but I did eventually get there for my poor coworker who at the airport, I was like, are you comfortable going by yourself? You have about five minutes to decide. <laughs> Fortunately, she was. I handed her some cash and some COVID tests. And I was like, all right, good luck. You know, I'll get there when I get there. Um, she was such a trooper. I did eventually get there um, for the second half of the scout. That was amazing um last spring what else I went to Kauai I I traveled a lot last spring and then I took a break through the summer and the fall I was home Oregon summer it was amazing I love it here I gardened and was on the river every day and had a really lovely time worked a lot and then the other big trip that I've had this in 2022 was actually in December so recently 
we were designing a new gap year program in Spain, Portugal, and Morocco. So I got to travel with one of my coworkers to all three of those locations, designing um, also a new summer program for us, or redesigning a, a former summer program that we had. And yes, got to spend about two and a half weeks traveling in that part of the world, which is all new countries for me. So it was very exciting. So fun. So fun. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad that you did make it to, to Fiji eventually. <laughs> I was too. I was, I've been so excited to go to Fiji for so long. And uh, it was definitely one of those moments of like, okay, here's where I'm at. I'm like stuck in LA. I don't know when I'm getting to Fiji. I was, you know, calling the Fijian embassies and consulates, everything daily, trying to get an exemption. And it ended up being that they, they literally lifted all of those restrictions five days later. So I got to go mm. five days late to the scout, made it for the last six days. I was still super appreciative to be able to go. I made the most of my time in Southern California stranded, waiting to get to Fiji. Um, and it did all work out. But yeah, it was one of those like important lessons too, that I think it could happen on your gap year. It could happen anytime you're traveling that things don't go as planned. And I've been fortunate that a lot of things for me have gone as planned in recent travel. So I was like, all right, here I am. And I need to flip my mindset and make the most of this snafu and kind of laugh it off and just move forward. And, you know, it was one of those good reminders for me as well. Yeah, that's, that is good. And uh, I mean, I, you also forgot Vermont where we got I, to see each other. There you go. I knew I was going to forget more <laughs> than domestic travels. I went to Vermont for the Knowles Wilderness Risk Management Conference and Julia and I got to hang out for like four days, which was amazing. We hadn't seen each other in person in a minute. It was lovely. Yeah. And that was like two days or something before I left for my big trip. Yes. So well, I guess I, I guess that's a good segue. I'll, I can talk about where I've been and then maybe we can compare notes about <laughs> what our highlights were. But yes. um, yeah, I, I mean, I think since the last episode aired, I think that was before I went to Colombia. So I um, spent um, a week and a bit in Colombia with my family. We sm spent a lot of our time in Cartagena and then also Minca, which is kind of up in the highlands, which was absolutely stunning. And then I also try to prioritize being closer to home around the summer in Vermont because it's gorgeous. But I did do a week backcountry river trip on the Rogue River in Oregon. So I did make it out to Margot's neck of the woods for a week, which was cool. And then the big one um, in the fall was spending five weeks in Bali um, via Turkey. And we did go into Istanbul. So that counts as, a, as <laughs> yes. another, I guess, country that we got to go visit. And then, yeah, so that's, I mean, I know that it's funny because it, I mean, not as many on the, on the fingers as far as countries, but five weeks in, in Indonesia was absolutely amazing. And I, I, we pulled our kids out of school. My husband and I were there. We were kind of doing more of like, a, I call them mini sabbaticals. And this could be also be eventually maybe a, a podcast topic that we could like talk about because not a lot of people think about the things that are shorter than a big throwing your life into chaos sabbatical and then longer than vacation. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I find my sweet spot is like, a month somewhere mm -hmm. or a little bit more than a month somewhere where you can kind of justify you don't you don't have to turn your life upside down to make those things happen and especially for now that a lot of people can work remotely it's actually a lot easier than you might think to make it happen so it was really fun mm -hmm. yeah I I think that this is definitely something that is worth just sharing a little bit more about Julia because as you mentioned I think so many people see this as this inaccessible thing to and for many it is of course like not everybody can can make this happen in their lives and stuff but but to be able to have that shorter term, but long enough travel that it's really immersive in a place and more than, as you mentioned, just mm -hmm. a vacation. And especially doing so with kids, like, you know, being able to take them out of school and, and make all of that work. And so I guess within that, what was maybe your biggest takeaway? Maybe two things like most positive or like lesson learned takeaway from that experience. 
Yeah. I, I'll, so one thing that I will say about feasibility is that like a lot, I mean, it is bottom line, it is a privilege to be able to travel at all and to have the expendable income to travel. This was a work expense because I was scouting programs and opportunities. But that being said, you have to have, a, you have to be in a certain place in life to be able to do this. But I will say that if you are able to work remotely and you have the same amount of expendable income that it would take to take your kids to Disney World, you could do what I just did in Bali. It was cheaper to go to Bali for five weeks than to go to Disney World for one week with your family. So just like as far as contextualizing expense and relationships to like what we think is normal to do as a society with your kids, um, I just think it's worth saying <laughs> that, you know, it's I mean, because I've been comparing notes with people who have taken their kids to Disney World and it's that's not that's not necessarily a place where I necessarily want to spend my money. So that was I think that's just good for people to kind of hear that like you can have kind of some amazing travel adventures and it's not it and it, the kids did great i mean they we had two long haul flights they're six and eight they were able to kind of deal with the time difference and deal with the long flights and you know there were some definitely some helpers along the way like melatonin and benadryl but like we got through <laughs> um but i think that like biggest takeaways are that it is so worth traveling to these more quote-unquote challenging travel or adventure travel is so worth it both Colombia and Bali were amazing opportunities to spend time with our kids in a different way and to kind of help them get outside their comfort zones at an age where we're really hoping to lay the foundation for bigger and you know even grander adventures down the line with them and Bali you know Bali is basically like a very accessible place for for Aussies to go so even though it's very far away for us um, and we chose to travel in a certain in a more local localized way as far as like where we lived and and kind of the activities we chose to do it's still an easy place to have kids um and there's lots of activities lots of things to keep them busy that said i would say like to your point about like what my biggest lesson learned was i overestimated how they would handle just being away from home and the i i leaned too heavily on beach and paradise i think when i was conceptualizing like how they would react to being there i was like well we're gonna have you know we have a pool at our villa and we're like a stone's throw from the ocean like what's not to love mm -hmm. well apparently if you're six and eight like what's not to love is a complete throwing your your schedule into disarray you don't have a routine you don't have your friends you don't have your teachers so recreating that for them was a big challenge and we actually ended up using some tools from the experiential learning world like group agreements we had family group agreements about how we were going to show up for each other how we were going to work as a team how are we going to like reform this family in a new new setting where we have to rely so much more on each other so it was a big learning experience it definitely definitely had its ups and downs, but overall it was great. <laughs> well, what cool learning for your kids too, to be able to have those conversations at that age around being intentional about your group community while you're traveling together and also having those conversations as a family for how you want to interact with one another in that space. And I mean, is that something, have you found, and I'm totally putting you on the spot here, and totally, but like, has any of that translated into your life back in Vermont once you got back from Bali? Actually, it's funny that you ask and I don't mind I don't mind you asking at all. And yes, it has. Um, you know, we've asked the kids now they're getting older to take on a little bit more responsibility around the house, specifically with like the kitchen and setting the table, cleaning up the kitchen after the meals and stuff like that. And that transition of asking them to take on more, I think was made a lot more easy by what we were asking of them in Bali, even though it was different stuff that we were asking of them. So, so yeah, I think that it has translated. And I think that life as a family has actually gone a bit smoother since being back. And I think that that's probably because when you do something super challenging, like if you're, you know, doing a long haul hike or hiking a 14,000 foot peak or something like that, then like the next day when you hike something that's a hill in your backyard, it's doesn't seem as hard right mm -hmm. <laughs> 
So we <laughs> yes. kind of like cross trained as as a family, and now we're kind of back in like the easy mode. <laughs> so cool. Well, I loved hearing more about just about that experience. I think it is very inspirational to know that that is possible with kids, and that you can have these really meaningful experiences or immerse yourself more deeply. You know, even at six and eight, which I think for many they might think, oh, that's young. You know, to to have that experience, and I think that your your girls are proof that that's possible and can be really impactful and meaningful. It's very cool and uh, taking notes. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually did, we did a similar one to Hawaii when we were, when they were one in three. And so compared to that, this was easier <laughs> too. Um, and we chose Hawaii because like, again, feasibility wise, it was a little bit easier to be in like the U S healthcare mm-hmm. system and to, you know, like currency and like those kinds of things were a little bit easier for us when they were that young. But yeah, I think that it's actually surprising what you can do with kids. Um, they, they, and some ways when they were one and three, they had fewer opinions and that was easier. <laughs> now that they're six and eight, they have a lot more opinions about what we should and shouldn't do and what's fun and what's boring and all those kinds of things. So every age comes with like its benefits and drawbacks. <laughs> That's amazing. Gosh, I can't believe your Hawaii trip was five years ago, Julia. That is I wild. Know. I know. Feels like that was yesterday. <laughs> I know. What about for you? Because, and you know, I guess... I guess we should also like define like what scouting is for us as as mm-hmm. you know I'm a gap year counselor Margo works for adventures cross country so like Margo's designing programs and figuring out like finding on like pro- partner programs and and you know you I'll, you can I'll let you use your own in your own words what you do on your scouting trips on my scouting trips I'm kind of looking for on-site partners for students who want to do more independent travel. So volunteer programs that are a little bit more grassroots. I visited yoga retreats. I visited like a women's healthcare center that allows people to come and volunteer in the community through them. So kind of like these very small organizations that I like to connect students to that are really hard to find unless you kind of know where to look. What about you, Margo? What does scouting look for you? Yes, I think in some ways quite similar, Julia, and probably in some ways a little bit different. But, you know, for us scouting and these scouts that we were doing, were both interesting in the sense that they were for the most part places that we have historically run programs so like Fiji we've been running programs in Fiji for 25 years but during COVID our longtime partner in Fiji had sort of all you know a number of our partners had sort of shut down unfortunately due to the pandemic and so we needed to restructure that program and so it was a lot of you know that one in particular and I guess in similar to Spain and Morocco ARC had run programs in Spain and Morocco many, many years ago. We, of course, naturally rescouted it in 2019 to launch in 2020, which of course did not happen. So once again, needed another refresh in that region of the world too. And so a lot of that is, you know, reaching out to contacts that we have had, new contacts, um, you know, often before we're doing the scouting trip, we're setting up video calls to chat with those people. Sometimes that might be more of a project opportunity for students, like a really great organization that does marine conservation in Fiji or a really great organization that does sustainable farming in Spain, you know, things like that. Setting up calls ahead of time, sort of making sure that feels like a good fit before we travel halfway around the world to meet with them. And so getting a lot of that groundwork done before you go on that trip, but then once there, going and meeting with all those partners, it might be vetting transportation companies or taking the the public trains in Morocco or gaps you is this going to be a safe option for them? The public trains in Morocco were amazing for the record, but you know, some of those things. So vetting transportation, accommodations, good restaurants to go to that can accommodate a large group if they're in a city or uh, meeting with those partners and seeing the project and what that's going to look like and what the actual on the ground experience is going to be like for students in that area. And so 
taking all of those notes and, and setting those expectations with partners so that they really understand what our groups are like if they haven't worked with our groups before. So a whole bunch goes into it. They're often, it's so funny when it, obviously very, very, very fortunate to get to go on these trips for work. It's super cool. And I feel ever lucky and appreciative of that. And at the same time, and I'm not sure if this is the same for you, Julia, but like our scouting trips, it's like you got a few days and we like when we were in Spain, that's um, Spain, Morocco, Portugal trip. We had 16 days of travel. We moved every single day to a new location on either a taxi, bus, train, plane, or ferry <laughs> every single day to a new location. So it's like, and fitting in meetings in between all of that. So it's like meeting with a partner, taking an airplane, getting picked up by another partner, meeting with them, mm -hmm. going somewhere else to sleep. Like it is just madness and absolutely exhausting, <laughs> but we cover a lot of ground. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really incredible experience and also very much not, not a personal trip and not really getting to immerse in the place like our students would, which is hard as people who are passionate about that part of the travel experience, like immersing a little bit further. We unfortunately don't get to do as much of that on a scouting trip. Yeah, I hear you. And that's definitely how, especially if I'm doing a shorter scouting trip, it is like 14 hour days. I mean, I often think like, wouldn't it be fun to like bring Tom or bring like a friend on a scouting trip with me? And then I think, no, it wouldn't be fun for them because I would I, like, I, I have a breakneck pace that I do those trips yeah. at. And the reason that I, that we chose to do, you know, four plus weeks in Bali was so that there would be a little bit more buffer so that like I, I had some long days, especially because sometimes I would leave Tom with the kids and go across the island to, you know, that like co-working spaces like in a town and that would be like I would be, that would be a very long day for me but he would have gone to the beach with the kids all day so like I was kind of trying mm -hmm. to balance it with bringing them to some stuff that I thought they would be interested in and then some of those scouting visits just doing on my own and kind of like putting my own myself through the paces and not everybody in the family um yeah. <laughs> so it definitely I think that it balanced out pretty well and I think that because of where we lived we lived in East Bali um, very close to the water in a very local village. We had a lovely, very immersed experience. We had all kind of Balinese friends and contacts and things like that while we were in our in our village. So that was very cool. And we got to go to some local ceremonies and we invited our villa manager and her family to Thanksgiving dinner. And that was really cool. And so, yeah, we just, it was a really great way to kind of, I do feel like we got to know Balinese culture. We weren't just in a bubble of other travelers the whole time, which was really nice. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And yeah, again, the thing benefit of being able to, even if your days were long and busy to come back to the same place every night or like have that consistency, I think really sounds incredible. <laughs> and like it would be able to provide that experience a little bit more, as you mentioned. That's awesome. It was. And I did so much that I've actually like, I haven't been able to post about a lot of it on Instagram, which was my main mo mode of keeping people updated on on the scouting. Uh -huh. And so every Friday, I actually like repost, like I'm, I'm posting new stuff of stuff that was happening in November, but yeah. I just have been trying to like trickle it out to, you know, keep that experience alive, but also to like keep sharing information that I think would be helpful for people who are traveling there and things like that. So yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I very cool. And I'm also as you're talking about this. So my my next upcoming trip that I'm very excited about, and we'll be excited to hear pick your brain about actually is that I'm going to Indonesia in April. So there could be some yeah, fun stuff on that yeah. coming through on the, the gap year radio Instagram. But and, <laughs> and I'm going to Spain in April. So we're like flip flopping. It's so funny. Actually, I didn't realize that that is pretty funny. <laughs> we are flip flopping our fall trips. But yes, I'm going to be leading a program with students for the first time in almost six years which I'm very excited about. Yeah. And then oh, that's gonna be such extending a for some scouting as well as some personal travels in Bali for my 30th birthday. So I will be definitely taking some notes from whatever you can share with me, Julia. I'm so excited. You should, I mean, I am making the most epic Bali guide 
that I will share with you when it's finished. It's almost done. It's it's like a it's basically a it's it's very thick. So um, because I'm like drilling down to I just realized the other day I was like laughing at myself. I'm like I have I have it down to the detail of like what who is the snake guy to call if you get bit by a snake oh my gosh. and like or need a snake removed from your housing. And I'm like okay maybe this is like is this too no. much detail for my no it's not. it's not. I mean like it's great to have it's great to have. So yeah I will share that with you soon. Oh my gosh and then your Spain trip is another scouting trip correct? Yeah I'm going to Bar- Barcelona and it is kind of a combo trip where I'm spending a week in Barcelona and then I'm then I'm going to be doing some scouting. I'm actually bringing the family and then sending Tom with the kids home and then staying like an extra five days to do some just kind of again like the breakneck speed 24-7 scouting yeah. and that'll be fun. So yeah I'm looking forward to that. It's kind of but it'll be uh, Catalonia region and and Barcelona. Gosh amazing and that is a part of Spain that we did not get to during our scouting trip. We were more in southern Spain overall so very very cool. Yeah we'll have to keep the listeners updated on our on our upcoming travels in April, our spring trips. <laughs> I know, but I guess, you know, in summary, your hosts here have been very busy, not just with travel, but with, <laughs> you know, fun life stuff too that we won't bore you with. But, you know, I think that we're mo- mostly just excited to get back to business with bringing you guys some interesting interviews and stuff. So stay tuned because we've got a really fun season coming your way. You have, you have anything else to add, Margo? No, I think that we've covered all the main points of our last year, Julian, as you mentioned, not to bore everyone with too many of the details, but we are, as she mentioned, just super excited to be back on the pod with you all and continue bringing you new and unique content and as always if you have other ideas or proposals for this season or or upcoming seasons that you're wanting to send our way you can definitely feel free to shoot us an email or a dm on instagram at any point we can start getting things going for upcoming seasons as well definitely gapyearradio at gmail.com and you can find us on instagram at gapyearradio and then gapyearradiopodcast.com is another way that you can find us so get in touch if you have pitches for us or ideas or things you want covered or questions that we can answer on air. Lastly, you can download our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you have a moment, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that more people can discover Gapier Radio. So I know traditionally, Julia, we were trying to do our sign off in a foreign language or regional dialect. So care to take us out with a thank you or goodbye in Balinese? Sure, I will. I will say thank you. And if, if you were going to say hello, you would say like swasiastu with your hands pressed together. That I said a lot. I did not say goodbye to people a lot, but I did say thank you to people a lot. And that is suksma. And so suksma for listening and stay tuned for more episodes this season. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Take care.